Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Today's reading comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Over the course of the last five weeks together, we've been in this really important series about covenant. Um, Covenant is important to us because in our own Christian tradition and in our own personal relationship with God, we understand our relationship as one of deep commitment and also deep expectation. And we've tried to flesh that out in terms of our interior work on our relationship with God as individual human beings. Over the course of these past weeks, when we have been thinking together about our membership vows, when we pledge ourselves to the life and ministry of the church, we offer ourselves with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And those first four that we've done over the past several weeks, we've been talking about how those spiritual practices of of regular prayer and being present with God and giving away ourselves and serving others. We've talked about how those practices really build our interior spiritual lives, our deeply personal relationship with God. And Kate and I and our two congregations, when we decided to come together to do this series, we felt like this was a good time in the midst of a new year in the midst of this ongoing uh, pandemic in which we are worshiping in a different way, we felt like this would, would be good timing to really look at our personal relationships with God and how the covenant God invites us into forms us as individuals to prepare us to be in the body of Christ, which has a much broader and farther reaching witness in the world, even than what we have as individuals. So as we've talked about our prayer life, um, how we are present with God and how we are fully in God's presence and how we give because we've received in that covenant relationship and how we serve others, we've, we've been looking inside at our hearts and how God has connected with us and invited us into the covenant. And in this last Sunday, we're going to be covering the last part of our membership vows, which is witness. And part of that really is Um, a transition from our interior work, our personal kind of commitments and relationship with God, 
out into how we live that personal relationship out in every part of our life that intersects with the world around us. And so really, this is kind of a stepping stone, kind of a shift. Um, we, are, we are launching out from this time together in which we have really thought about our deeply personal covenant with God. And we are now launching into how we live this out as members of our two congregations, as members of the society around us, and as citizens of the world. And so as we do that, um, as we consider that, we're going to start with um, this story from the Bible, this sort of mysterious and mystical story that really is kind of an intersection of the more personal interior experiences we have with God and how those can be lived out in community as we are sent out into the world to tell the story. So Kate, tell us about Transfiguration. Yeah, thank you, Susan. The poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning has a beautiful line in one of her poems that goes like this. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. She says that earth is crammed with heaven. Today is indeed Transfiguration Sunday. It's the day when Christians all over the world are hearing this story about Jesus going up to a mountaintop and his figure being transformed. During the transfiguration, earth is crammed with heaven. Jesus, as he often does, goes up to a mountain to pray. Sometimes when he prays, he goes by himself, but this time he takes with him his inner circle of disciples, Peter and James and John. And while Jesus is praying, they notice that the appearance of his face changes. His clothes become a dazzling white, whiter than even anyone could bleach. He looks like an angel. They are momentarily blinded by the light, but then when they look back up, they cannot believe their eyes. They do a double take and they realize that Jesus is not by himself. He's talking with two men and not just any men, Moses, the lawgiver and liberator, and Elijah, who's the fearless prophet. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, they all appear in glory. And there's no doubt in the disciples' minds that this is the inbreaking of God, Jesus imbued with divinity, standing in the line of the law and the prophets of their faith, fulfilling their messianic hopes. It's this same Jesus who takes them fishing, who eats meals with them. They know his brothers and sisters. They follow his dusty feet down dusty paths. There's no doubt that this is that same earthly Jesus, but now he is transformed by heaven. The disciples are awestruck, none so much as Peter. Because Peter, and who can blame him, he wants this glory to shine on forever. So he offers to build booths, kind of like tents, in which they could all stay and live, basking in God's glory, reveling in the light, receiving the wisdom of all those in their midst. Peter says, it's good to be here. Let, let me make you a home and we can just stay here forever. But before Peter can even finish talking, a bright cloud overshadows them and a voice from heaven speaks saying, this is my son, my beloved, with him I am well pleased. The same words that were spoken at his baptism that began our covenant series. And then God says, listen to him. The disciples are filled with fear. They fall to the ground. 
Jesus touches them on the back and says, do not be afraid. They look up and now Jesus is alone. They tread back down that mountain and Jesus says, don't tell anybody what you've seen until after the resurrection. What on heaven and earth are they to make of this transformational experience? Earth crammed with heaven. And how does this transfiguration transform us? How does it do that here and now in 2021? That's a really, you know, that's the question that's sitting with me so much in thinking about um, the witness of being a Christian right now mm. and the witness of being a part of the church um, that is not acting like we normally have. Um, we know what earth crammed with heaven looks like when we're in our sanctuaries and when we're in our classrooms and when we have our full calendar of events that um, that we know what we're there to do when we're there and when we're together. And all of that has been transformed in some ways that have felt really, um, I think, like displacing for us. And what it has made me think of is a time when, um, actually when I was a college student long ago um, in my life, and I was working on the summer camp staff at Camp Glisten, our North Georgia Conference Camp and Retreat Center. And I was there um, in the summer of 1997 when um, the director of the camp had died tragically in April before the summer began in June. And so um, a, a mentor of mine who the folks at Embry Hills know, because he was with us last fall, um, Mike Selleck, the Reverend Mike Selleck, um, was brought in to, to um, at the last minute, kind of shepherd the summer staff, the college students who were there to run the camp. And so we lived through quite a bit together. We lived through um, the, working through the pain and the loss of um, the Reverend Bob Cagle, whom we had known and loved and worked with and um, who had given his own direction to the ministry of this, of this camp. And as young adults, we processed that. Um, and we worked through it and we learned how to talk with children about hard things and how to discern our own process of maturing and, and becoming um, more spiritually mature as well as just as we aged into adulthood um, and experiencing this, this loss. And so when the end of the summer came along and we were gathered together in the chapel at Camp Glisten um, for our final worship service, it was the final kind of thing for the summer. And literally our cars were packed in the parking lot, ready to leave as we came out of the chapel. Mike was offering us a sermon, kind of a homily devotion, something to take with us as we left. And he said, I know what you're all thinking. I've heard some of you talk about it. You're, you're already anxious about how to go back to normal from what we've experienced here. And it's something that if you've ever worked at a summer camp or any place like that, where you go away from your typical routine and place and you work for a short amount of time, it feels like a long time when you're there, but a short amount of time in a completely different routine and place, you do feel like when that's over that, well, now I'm going back to normal. And he was encouraging us to think more spiritually with more theological depth of what we had experienced and how we would take it with us. And what he said was all the stuff that you've gone through this summer and all the conversations that have been life-changing and all of the ways that you've begun to see one another and the world around you differently, the ways that you've been transformed and shaped, um, don't leave that here. 
don't leave that feeling of like a new normal or a new transformed way of being. Don't feel like that's a dream and you have to go to reality. Instead, he challenged us to look at that as our reality and to take that reality with us back into the lives that we would be going back to, which for the vast majority of us is college um, or jobs, but also our own kind of continual maturing and growing. And what he was saying to us is don't leave all that good work you've done back here in, in the past, because once we left, it was done. It was over that time. Don't let it be lost, but take it with you. And when I think about what we have to offer as the body of Christ, as Christians, um, what, what kind of heaven we can cram into the earth that we're still living through right now, which is still uncertain and, and disconcerting in some ways. Um, we see some changes that are in front of us related to vaccines and um, the virus, but we also still feel like we're uncertain of what the future will be like when, whenever that future arrives. And so I think our challenge as witnesses to our faith is, is number one, not to leave the transformative experiences in the past. Um, the disciples wanted to build booths. What Mike was saying to us in our summer camp staff was don't build a booth. <laughs> don't close yourself in to this experience, but let this be your reality. So wherever you go and whoever you have the opportunity to live with, speak to, influence, whoever's lives you're going to be invested in, this reality is part of what you have to give. And so friends, I think that's part of our invitation is figuring out how to be witnesses such that in such a way that we are taking the transformative experience we've had in going into our prayer closets and contemplating and reflecting on the gifts God has given us so that we can give them away and thinking about how we can be fully present with God and how we can serve. Don't leave that work in the past. How do we take that work into a new reality? Susan, I love hearing that story from camp and I think it's one that's going to sit with me uh, for a long time and help me reflect on those questions, right? How can I keep transformational experiences with me every day um, as if God's transformation is present with me every day? And on this Transfiguration Sunday, when we are reflecting on how to witness our faith, that question of how we can see every day how much earth is crammed with heaven and not keep it with ourselves. Um, I wonder how we extend that and we invite people to be part of our church communities. And I know for some people that invitation and witness and evangelism, it comes easy. For other folks, it's a, it's a harder thing to do. It can feel awkward. It can make people nervous. You might not know exactly what to say or how friends or neighbors might react if we invite them. So as I've been thinking about what it means to witness, um, I think what keeps coming up for me is the power and just telling our stories. We don't have to do the transformational work. God does that work. Um, but we can tell our stories and in invite people in to be part of our communities where God is powerfully at work. And so I think it does start with that interior work about really reflecting on how our communities of faith have transformed our lives. How is Jesus Christ transformed us? How has the corner of our earth been crammed with heaven? And then once we're able to name that, um, not be like Peter and try to keep it to ourselves, but be willing to go out um, and to share it with others. Um, 
very different church leadership articles, experts, um, books will tell you that the number one reason that people decide to come be a part of a church community to show up for the first time is because someone that they know and they trust invited them. Now we talk a lot about church growth, at least we do at Sandy Springs. I don't know if you do it in Rehealth, but we want more people, right? Which is a good thing um, because we want to um, reach new disciples, be part of forming new disciples, but I think it can get a little dangerous when our motivation is purely about higher attendance numbers or younger people for the sake of younger people, more people to serve on committees so we can take a break. We should witness and share and invite because something about our life of faith has transformed us and we can't build a tent and keep that message to ourselves. And in some ways, if this is hard or new for folks to invite, you know, there's never really been an easier or more low stakes way to invite people to check out a church community. Uh, you can share the worship service on your Facebook page for the email with the worship link to somebody you know. You can even send a text with the Zoom link to your small group, share the Facebook event for communion. You don't have to look at anybody in the face to invite them. And for some of you, this might be um, something new and a first step, and I would challenge you to begin to think about doing that. Um, but if you're already doing that or ready for the next step, I think what would be really powerful is when we do the sharing and inviting to tell a little bit of our story about why we're inviting them in. And it can be simple. It can be one sentence. It could be in an email or a text, join me for worship or small group or communion because through this church, I've found a community that I can really be vulnerable with. Maybe it's through this church, I've dedicated myself to serving others in a way that I've never done before. Maybe it's through this church, I've learned that I am loved and forgiven for exactly who I am. Or through this church, my kids have learned how to love God and neighbor each and every day. What's your story, friends? Reflect on that. How has your earth been crammed with heaven? And then how can you share that with others so they are part of this experience? And when we do this work of invitation, of sharing our own transformation, we can trust God to do the rest, to work on folks' hearts so that they too are transformed. And so that all of us can begin to look around on this earth and see the glory of Jesus Christ that does reside all around us each and every day. My hope is that that is a truth that all of us can hold as we move into our weeks. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.